Let's go ahead and get into the word of God for today. On last week, um, we looked at a message entitled In the Beginning. And its subtitle, what was it? An Examination of Your Personal Growth. Um, an Examination of Your Personal Growth. We, we come to realize that the Father really wants us to grow up. And, and um, sometimes we just, we just outright refuse. You know, he keeps saying you have to grow up, and we keep wanting to go back to old thought patterns and old ways of doing things when it has been proven that we are not there yet anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like he's given you enough experiences, given you enough word, given you enough teaching where you should not still be in that space. But sometimes we go right back to that space. You know, he's shown you, taught you, you was preached, it was examined, and you're like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. And as soon as something goes wrong, we go right back to wanting to be a kid. Can you imagine what would happen if every time you had a hiccup living on your own, your parents let you just come back and move in? Right? Every time you tripped and stumbled, they just carried you for the rest of the way? Hello? Not even when you're a kid. If you trip and stumble, I'm a patcher. And then you better start walking. And you did not, uh, I don't like walking. I don't like walking. It is dangerous to walk. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not good at it. See how I'm keep living all of So just, I'm not the one to walk, okay? And the parrot has to go, no, you, you can walk. You may not do it well yet, but you can walk. There, there's a problem when we don't want to grow up, all right? We don't want to start putting some things together, all right? Uh, understanding what needs to happen in our lives and the progression of things. And I must admit, being an adult in the Lord is scary. You know, it's like going out to the deep. You know, you can't touch the bottom no more, you know? Um, <laughs> everybody think they can swim in the shallow end, especially children. My cousin reminded me of a young man who went to summer camp with me at a time when I was one of the camp counselors. I do not remember this. But this, this now grown man remembers me, and he told my cousin, yeah, I remember her. She spanked me for going out into the deep end. And so she said, well, I was like, did I? I don't remember this. And according to him, the story was, yeah, you told me, you're, you told me not to go out of the deep end. But I told you I could swim. He said, so I went out there because I'm going to tell you I can swim. And he said to my cousin, he said, truthfully, I could swim. He said, but my foot got caught on some seaweed. And he said, I began to drown. And Taliba came out, grabbed me from the deep end, pulled me back to shore, and proceeded to spank my butt. <laughs> He said, I thought that me almost drowning was enough punishment. But she leveled up on that punishment and said, that is not enough experience for my hard head. So 
what he didn't recognize was that the instruction and the discipline was not about you swimming or not being able to swim. The discipline was about you not obeying. It's funny how when you're a kid, you only see one lesson. When the father is trying to mature you to see the biggest lesson. Y'all don't want to help me today. Children only see, they only see one step ahead of them. But as you grow up, can't you see further because you are taller? Hello, somebody. So when the father has said you have grown to the point where you should be able to see a couple of things further. Hello, somebody. You want to go back to, well, why would you spank me? Because I could swim. The lesson was not about you being able to swim. And you thought, I got to prove to you that I can swim. And this is good for me. It wasn't about that. Whether you could swim or not swim, the idea was, I told you not to go in the deep end. You concluded that it was because you couldn't swim. Hello? But since you already felt like you could, then you can go out to the deep end. So when you get spanked, because of your near-death experience, it doesn't register to you. Well, you almost dying was just a consequence of going out to the deep end, right? The spanking was a consequence of being disobedient. Y'all don't want to help me today. Hello, somebody. You could not have helped that the seaweed caught your foot. Hello, somebody. And I mean, people, everybody else out here swimming, and the seaweed didn't catch their foot. So yes, you ran into a life problem that comes with sw swimming out in the deep end, even though you can swim. Hello, somebody. And so you ran into a challenge and a complication. I'm trying to help somebody here. Just basic living, hello, somebody, that people could run into. But when you get to shore, now you're further injured, not because you couldn't swim, not because you knew how to swim. You are further injured because you were told not to go. Hello? One lesson taught you the realities of life. The other lesson taught you the realities of your God. One lesson shows you what it means to swim in the deep. Another lesson shows you who God is. Y'all don't want to help me today. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to preach to you. You only like to learn one lesson, right? Swimming in the deep. What it means to live, what it means to enjoy life, what it means to have purpose, what it means to be married, what it means to have kids, what it means to have a job, what it means to, you only like to learn one lesson, but there are two lessons. Who is God? Who is God in marriage? Who is God in health? Who is God in your finances? Who is God in this lesson? And children only think of one. Well, I can swim, so I guess I'll be fine. That's not the point. I'm, hello, somebody. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm gonna just go ahead and jump over. I preach to me and the angels. I don't even care if y'all gonna be with me today. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm about to have myself a good time. But on last week we looked at um, the beginning and what it means and the importance of wisdom. On last Sunday we talked about how the book of Proverbs explains that wisdom, if you seek her, she is a tree of life to us. That's a big deal, that wisdom becomes a tree of life, the same tree of life that we were no longer given access to in the beginning in Genesis. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They could not have access to the tree of life. Then later we find that God says wisdom will give you access to that tree of life again. I want to pick up today's message somewhere in that vein, okay? 
about really understanding wisdom versus knowledge. So today I want to entitle this message, Be Open-Minded, they say. That's the name of the message. Be open-minded, they say. In our society, being an open-minded person is celebrated. It is encouraged because closed-minded people are horrible people. They're stubborn, they're, they're, they're egocentric, they're self-centered, um, they can be biased, you know. For the most part, being a closed-minded individual is bad. And being an open-minded individual is good. And as humanity has always dealt with the struggle of desiring to be open-minded, to accept things and truths all around them, no matter how they come, right? Mm -hmm. To accept the truth that I see in the butterfly, to accept the truth that I hear in some of Buddhist teachings, to accept the truth that I hear in Islam, the to be open-minded and to see all of these truths and to bring them in would appear to be a goal that most people would have. Yes. But I'd like to draw our attention to the problems that exist with open-mindedness. I know you thought you were doing good, right? Because you have discovered a way to accept so much, to take in so much information, to accept so many truths. And some of us even, even prided ourselves on being open-minded about gay and lesbian relationships and open-minded about guns and violence and open-minded about money and tithing and open-minded about jobs and marriage. And we really liked the idea that we could really see it from both perspectives. We could see it from both sides, right? And, and we like that. But I, I would like to draw your attention to the idea that there can be a problem with open-mindedness. And the solution is not to close your mind. There's a problem with being open-minded and the solution is not closing your mind. Amen? All right. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to look at when man's mind first became open. In Genesis, it uses the word, and their eyes were opened. Um, but for the Hebrew, that would have meant more like their mind's eye was open not their physical eye, as if they were blind physically. But it's saying that their understanding here in the brain became open. And I want us to look at the first stage of man's open-mindedness, that we might ascertain the danger that is present in being open-minded, and to find that the solution is not closing your mind. Amen? Amen? So Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, and this is a story that is familiar to us, but let's read it. Then their eyes, then the, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, 
and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Let's stop right there. At this point, Adam and Eve have just been deceived by Satan. Okay. Satan approached Eve and explained to her that you will not surely die. Let's look at that. Let's go back up a couple of verses. That started at verse 7. Let's go at verse 1. It says, um, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. I want you to underline beast. The serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Let's look at verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And of course, so when the woman saw that the food, the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband and with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Okay. Satan, um, the deception, the cunningness of Satan, was that initially he made Adam and, and Eve believe that there was some negative reason as to why God didn't want them to eat of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As if somehow they were competing. As if God was withholding something. That's the first thing. He says, you won't surely die and he's insinuating that the only reason God doesn't want to give it to you is because then you'll be like him. As if he didn't want you to be like him. Hello, somebody. And even though he doesn't outright lie, the way he forms the words insinuates that somehow God is keeping something good from you. Hello? That he's telling you not to do it, but the only reason that you're going through this suffering of what you can't have, y'all not helping me today. The only reason that you're going through the suffering of what you can't, you can't access is because he's really trying to keep something from you. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't ever think that about God, but you do. When you sin, you think that he's keeping something from you. When you fall short, you think that he's keeping, oh, come on, somebody. The Lord don't want you to have that because you messed up last year. The Lord don't want you to have that because you messed up last week. The Lord don't want you to have that. And even now, Satan speaks to the ears and the minds of Adam and Eve's. Telling you that he's keeping something out of your reach because of something that he desires that is that that you shouldn't have because it's too good for you. Hello, somebody. 
Now, the fact is, it is too good for us. Hello? The other fact is that we probably, in of ourselves, cannot ever be good enough to receive this. But Christ, God sent himself, his only begotten son. The great workaround is that I'm going to transform you into the image of my son. First and foremost, that's the workaround. That in him, you are made righteous. Apart from him, you are not. Hello? Like if you go into a house, in this house, you are righteous. Outside of this house, you are unrighteous. Now this, this concept is thread in the book of Genesis because God created a garden and then put Adam and Eve in a garden. All right. So they're in this garden where everything they need is provided for them. Food by way of fruit and luscious herbs. I don't know. All right. But they're never hungry. They're never lacking. They're never without in the garden. Now, if you fast forward, you do recognize that there are people outside of the garden. And that life outside of the garden is difficult. Outside of the garden, there's been no rain. Outside of the garden, they are working hard to provide for themselves. But in the garden, hello, somebody. Everything is is right there for you. Right? Interesting. So in this, everything is right here for you place. There's one thing that God says, don't eat of this. Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan then convinced you that the only reason God don't want you to have it is because you're just not good enough to be like him. And she thinks that if I could have the knowledge that I need, then I could be wise like God. Y'all don't want to help me today. If I could understand something, y'all don't want to help me today, then I could be wise like God. See, y'all, don't, y'all not trying to help me. You really think that if you could acquire information, that this is synonymous to making you wise. But just check your own record. The more information you have about your situation, did it make you wise? When they told you this and they told you that, did you know what to do with it? When the doctors gave you a bad report, did you know what to do with it? When the, when the boss told you that you were on suspension, did you know what to do with it? When you get extra information, does not equate to you knowing what to do with it. And wisdom is, uh, is, is what you know what to do with this knowledge of good and evil. You know a lot of truths. I know God is a healer. I know they gave me a diagnosis. I know God is a provider. I know my bank account is on zero. Hello, somebody. You have knowledge of both the good and the evil. But wisdom has, you have not been trained in wisdom to know how to handle this information. Y'all don't want to help me today. You don't even want to forget you know that your bank account is zero. You know that the bill is due next month. Hello, somebody. You know, you calculated it up and you ran the numbers and you can see the truth is you're not going to have enough. Now, if you have wisdom, then you know that you should trust God. Y'all don't want to help me today. But, oh, that's not 
what happens? Oh, we start getting the mully grubs. Oh, we start saying, well, what did I do wrong, God? And, and why is it not working for me? And where did I mess up, oh, God? And Hello? hello? So you've got knowledge of both good and bad, but you don't know what to do with it. Could it be that the father never intended for you to actually have knowledge until you were further trained on what to do with the information? That's good. That's good. That's good. So now when God is trying to withhold information from you, y'all don't want to. Y'all don't want to help me today. When he's trying to keep something from you, you know, when you're ignorant of what God is doing, when you don't understand of where he is taking you, when you don't see how he's planning on moving, you think somehow that he is wrong, mean, and capricious, and keeping, but in fact, he's just trying to protect you because the stamina you need in wisdom has not been developed for that information. But oh no, you got to go on to the YouTube and the university and you got to go over here and go over there and seek all this information. And you still don't know what to do with it. You know about demons and spirits and demonic presuppositions and oppressions and, and homosexuality and divorces, but you don't know how to engage. One of the problems I have with, over, with all the spiritual teachings that we can get about deliverance is that the same people that master this have not mastered working with souls. That's, that's, that's counterintuitive. You got all the information about demons, all the information about kingdom, but you have no wisdom on how to handle a soul. This is not the best time for you to say that. This is not the best time for you to disclose that. This is not the priority right now. So you want to tell me just be healed but not give them any bread? Even Christ himself fed them first. You're not learning the lesson. You're not learning the lesson. There's truth that these people can expect, ex accept from me that they will never accept from someone who does not live with them. The hardest part about training ministers is not the information, is you don't follow me in how I lead my sheep. Do you call them? Do you spend time with them? Hello, somebody. You go to lunch with them, brunch with them, dinner? Do you show up when they're gone like Sister Janiah? Did you call? Did you text? Did you communicate? doesn't matter if you have knowledge of Satan. It doesn't matter if you have an understanding of the evil. What is lacking is the wisdom on what to do with it. That's good, Pastor. That's good. What I display by the power of God is the wisdom on what to do with that information. Learn. You think this is a war about knowledge? <laughs> no. This is a war of wisdom. of life and it's funny because my name means one who seeks knowledge and my mother says and bring loves and joy <laughs> but I always thought that was pretentious to say like I am bringing you love and joy she's like what you do <laughs> like mom I can't be telling people that that's look at me I'm here to bring you love and joy <laughs> But seeking knowledge, like, yeah, I want to be smart. That's, that's all right, you know. Like, look at me. I'm here. I'm love. Hey. <laughs> so I always leave that part of my name off. <laughs> but I had to recognize 
early on that knowledge is not the same as wisdom. And wisdom tells you what to do with the information you have received. And it doesn't tell you what to do based off of earthly standards. It tells you based what to do based off of God's heart. Adam and Eve struggled with knowing the heart of God. They struggled with knowing it because he wasn't done. It would appear that the spirit of the Lord, God himself, would walk in the garden with them and talk to them, reveal himself, his heart, his nature. And the deception that uh, Satan presented to them was clever because they almost missed it. I mean, they did miss it. They missed it big. But you mean to tell me that God, who made you, and then formed a garden all around you, would then also want to keep something from you that could harm you? Well, that makes sense. But would he keep something from you that could benefit you? See, Satan is trying to deceive you to think that God is keeping something good from you. But all you really have to do is look at your experiences. He made you and then put you in a garden. Satan will convince you that God is meaning you harm. He'll convince you that God is trying to hurt you, trying to do you down bad, is not pleased with you and is rejecting you. But if you really look at where you're sitting, he has created an environment that is designed to sustain you all the way around. The fact that you cannot see it is the reason why you're going after things on your own and is also the reason why you get kicked out of the garden in the first place. It's because you don't even recognize that I have situated you in such a place where my goodness is all the way around you. Why won't y'all let me preach? Hello, somebody. If I put you in a good place, come on, somebody, then why would I come and hurt you? Y'all don't want to help me today. If I set you in a good place, then how can I be against you? Come on, somebody. If I establish you in righteousness, then how can I also be against you? You're so stupid. It's stupid. I'm going to put you in a good place and then be against you? I'm going to establish you in righteousness through the death of my son and then be against you? I'm going to call you my child and be against you. That's stupid. It's like a mother rejecting her own child. How can I be against you? You're mine. And then when you look around, I've placed you all with things all around, whatever you need, wherever you're going, I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. I mean, I put you in a garden. And you let this beast come in and tell you, y'all don't want to help me today, come in and tell you that I'm keeping something good from you. So now you feel like it's your responsibility 
with all this knowledge, I can evaluate this is good for me. This is a tree that will make me wise. It looks good for food. It's good that I go ahead and reach out and take this, right? That act alone gets you kicked out of the garden. If we look specifically, If we look to specifically at the word, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, their mind was open. Mm -hmm. And they could see that they were naked. I want to look at nakedness for a section for a second. I often thought that they saw their nakedness and they were ashamed. That's not what the Bible says. Go back to it for yourselves. This is Genesis 3. Hello? Verse 7. Then the eyes of them both, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Skip on down. Verse 9 and 10. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. It was not ashamed. It was afraid. I often thought that they were ashamed. They was naked, and then they got ashamed. They were naked and got afraid. And so the father says, who told you that you were naked? You must have ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You must have got some information that I was trying to withhold from you at this time. Because you would count this as nakedness. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all <laughs> you won't have wisdom to know that you are not naked, but are further clothed, according to Paul, by your habitation. Y'all don't. You don't have any wisdom to know that it's not naked, but further clothed, that I've set you in a garden, that I've got my presence with you, that I'm walking and talking with you every morning, that I'm always there. How could you be naked? Satan has beguiled you. He's gave you some information that you can see your vulnerability and you have concluded that this is nakedness. That is not true. Woo! Oh, I'm preaching better y'all acting today. I'm preaching better you acting today. Hello, somebody. You're not naked. Who told you that? Hello? But when I look down, I see that the parts that are needed to fulfill what you've called me to fulfill are vulnerable. Remember, the command was to be fruitful and multiply. Y'all don't want to help me today. 
So now that my mind is open, I've got information that shows me that the areas that are needed to be fruitful and multiply are extremely vulnerable to the habitation to which you have set me. Hello? I'm naked. I'm exposed to the elements around me. Why would anything hurt you? Yeah. Why would I make you and make a garden around you and then put something in there that I cannot defend you from, keep you from, and protect you from? Y'all don't want to help me. Who told you that in my garden you're naked? Y'all don't want to help. Who told you that in my garden you're naked? Woo! Ain't nobody mad but the devil. Ain't nobody exposed but Satan. Who told you in my garden you're naked? Your vulnerabilities are exposed. To whom? To whom? Who? Who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? Y'all don't want to help me. Who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? Who are you of? Come on, somebody. Well, they told the doctor said I won't be able to have kids. Who are you afraid of? You took my mom. You took my dad. Who are you afraid of? Who are you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that in my garden you're naked? A serpent can bite you, but it ain't, you ain't going to die from that. Because in my garden, baby, you're not even naked. There could be no bread, but you won't go hungry. Because in my garden, you're not naked. There could be thorns and thistles, but in my garden, you are not naked. There could be water so deep, but in my garden, you are not naked. I'm trying to show you something, huh? I'm trying to show you how, how men and women walk on water. Y'all don't want to help me today. I'm trying to get my sheep to learn how to walk on water. Y'all don't want to help me. To see Father the way he really is. To know his heart. And he says, Peter, if you know it's me, I bid you to come. If you know who I am, then this water can't stop you from reaching me. Someone has, has beguiled you. Someone has tricked you, deceived you, painted God in a picture that is not accurate of him. And it is not accurate of how he made you. Who are you afraid of? I'm afraid I won't be able to have kids. Is kids in the hands of God? Is the ability to have kids in God's garden, then you're afraid of God? Is the ability to get married, is that within God's garden? And if it says no, are you afraid of that? And if you're afraid of it, then what you're really saying, come on, y'all don't want to help me here. 
is that you are afraid of God. Pastor, ain't nobody afraid of God. Oh, yes, you are. Satan has convinced you to be afraid of your own creator. Convinced you to be uneasy about what God could do next to you. You are uneasy about what God could do next to you? If he told me I ain't having kids, then I trust full in assurance that I'm going to be perfectly fine without kids. Why? Because he made me and placed me in his garden. I'm in his garden. Well, you know, God might be keeping kids from you because of your past. God might be keeping this because even if he is, I mean, it's, come on, somebody. Even if he say the answer is no, then no is a good doggone answer. Even if he say the answer is yes, then yes is the perfect answer for me because he put me in the midst of his garden. See, you don't want to grow up. Huh? Sit on down. I always said marriage or kids, I could take it or leave it. I desire it. And the older you get, you realize you, I'm running out of time. Right? Because take time to get married. Take time to have a baby. Take time to make the baby, produce the baby. All that stuff take time. And I'm running out of time. Oh, no, Pastor. You can still have babies at 50. Oh, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> I kept Duke last week for three days. Longest time he's ever spent with me. And they kept him for three days because he was sick. He had a fever and a virus, and Eris was with her mother, and I didn't, we didn't want Eris to get the virus that Duke had. Now, later I thought Eris could have went to her Mimi's and Duke could have went to Sheena, but I didn't think of I didn't. <laughs> I, I thought about that later after it was already done. I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> I got so caught up because, you know, I love him. Oh, I'll keep you, 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 boo, boo. One thing I recognized about Duke is he is a mean baby when he's sick. He is mean and clingy. Two bad combinations. He wants you to hold him, but he want to say no to everything. Even stuff he wants. You want to eat? No. Then he go sneak and eat it. I do, I do want to eat. And I realized in trying to run church and help Duke, Duke overrun, overran everything. Everything got pushed back. Hello? I can't meet today. Duke is sick. <laughs> I can't go there. The baby's sick. <laughs> I would do it, but I got to hold the baby. And I thought to myself, see? It could be that the Lord knew that all the years you complained that you weren't married and all the years you complained that you didn't have kids, maybe in fact what you really should be happy about because he knew before you knew that the kids would not allow you to do this work. In my mind, I thought it was possible. When I actually saw myself in reality trying to do both, one of them was suffering and it was the church. But thanks be to God, that's not my baby. He can go back over to his mama. If it was mine, then of course the church would come second. Because it's family, then church. Yeah, yeah. So now I have to go, hmm. I'm maturing to recognize you've always had my best interest at heart. Good, 
you've always had my best interest at heart. The problem is, I don't know what my best interest is. And Satan will take advantage of the fact that you don't have the wisdom to know what is in your best interest. So then he can deceive you to think that God is moving in a way that is not best for you. You could tell who they were afraid of, what they were afraid of, because based off of who they hid from. Y'all don't want to help me today. If you were afraid of Satan, then you would have hid from Satan. If you are afraid of the devil, then you would have hid from Satan. You would have said, uh-uh, not today, Satan. Oh, I'm not coming over there with you with them old bad thoughts. You're the reason I got in this mess in the first place. But you didn't hide from Satan. Oh, no. You started hiding yourself from God. When the voice of the Lord starts speaking, you start letting your anger cover you. When the voice of the Lord starts speaking, you start letting your disappointment cover you. When the voice of the Lord starts speaking, you start letting your past cover you. You're hiding from the voice of the Lord. If I recognize Satan beguiled me, I'm going to hide from his butt. Are you duped me? You tricked me again? Lord, help me. Hide me in the cleft of your rock. I done messed up. Hide me from him because I, I can't protect myself against him. But I don't need to protect myself from God. I'm over here worried about what God's going to do. Well, he may not give it to me. He may not want it for me. Even if he doesn't, you have to remember the truth that God made you and put you in a garden that was comparable for everything that you needed. Why then would he come and harm you? Satan's running the same play. He's always been running. And you don't want to grow up. The issue is that here's a good opportunity for you to be a beaver. Mm -hmm. Everybody got a little beaver in them. Here's a good opportunity for you to let the truth Guide your heart, right? The facts. The fact is, God made me. Did he make me so he can hurt me? No, he made you in his own image. Like, like a kid, like his own child. So he made me, so he could be like my father? Exactly. And not only that, but you, he called you out and put you in a garden. To do what? To eat, to chill, to grow into knowing him, to stop you from the hustle and bustle of out here, what, they, what these folk out here doing. Huh? Trying to make a, make a life for themselves. He puts you in a place where you don't even have to worry about making a life for yourself. Hello, somebody. Because everything that pertains to life and, and godliness has already been provided for you. 
So you ain't got to worry about that. All you got to do is wake up. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Daddy. What's going on today? Now, let me show you the, the, the call for Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. What they saw that was vulnerable that they covered was their nakedness. They could see the parts of them that were necessary to do what God said were made vulnerable physically. You see the same thing spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. The part that is needed to do the will of God was laid vulnerable, was open to influence. Hello, somebody. Hello? God said don't, but then they did. One thing about men and female body parts is that they're different, but the same. Y'all don't want to help me today. If you look at a baby's zygote, is that what it's called? The baby has the ability to be either male or female. The organs and the cells for those particular organs are the same type of cell. But they are formed differently and thus defined as male and female. Hello, somebody, by that formation. But the externality fits the internal uh, chromosome. All things being equal, the externality, what you see that differentiates the male from the female, is determined genetically by the chromosome. So what you cannot see begins to define what you should see. And that also defines its function. Y'all don't want to help me today. See, in the beginning, it was nothing. It was all just baby, baby parts. Hello, somebody. But as these cells began to mature, they began to establish their own chromosome alignment. X, Y, X, or Y, X, X. Is that X, Y, X, X, right? So then we said, oh, so this is, we're going to be an X, Y. So then if we're going to be X, Y, then these cells have to start changing because now the, they go in and then the other one go out and then these go, these go out, but then the other, but then the other one had to come in. So now what happened on the inside, the external had to line up with what was happening on the inside, what God called forth on the inside. Whew. If you look at male and female reproductive organs, the organs necessary to be fruitful and multiply physically, you see that they are different, but still the same. One, genetic, in, what is it called? The, the, the sperm versus the egg? What are those things called? Whatever those are called. The gamete, gametes or whatever. We both got, men got sperm, women have eggs. They're different but the same. They both contain genetic material. Okay, yes. They're, they all have, they all make life, right? But they need each other in order to produce life. Are we together? Okay, now this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is interesting. In order to be fruitful and multiply, God said, Adam, you can't do this in of yourself. 
it's not enough for you to be alone. I need to take a part of you and put it also outside of you that you have to work with this other entity. Hello? In order to be fruitful. Hello? Now, there's only one occasion in all of history where a female produced life without male sperm. Y'all don't want to help me today. There was a point in time where God said, hello, somebody, what's going to come into man is my word, and my word will cause them to be fruitful and to multiply. That's good. That's good, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, the immaculate conception of Jesus was done through Mary, when she heard the voice of God in the cool of her day, come on, y'all don't want to help me today. Bible says she didn't think about this thing, you know. It didn't say she didn't ponder like Sarah. Ha, 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 that's not possible. Hello? She didn't laugh and scoff at the idea that she could have a child being unwed, unmarried, and never laid with a man. She didn't even chuckle at the idea. The Bible says that she held it in her heart. Y'all don't want to. Go back with me to Genesis. Adam and Eve, different but same. It would appear as if God is trying to show outwardly the functionality of being fruitful and multiplying. You notice Satan didn't speak to Adam. Have anybody ever been taught that women can be emotional? <laughs> women, do you believe that we could be emotional? And it's not to say that men can't be emotional, but if we had to pick who is led most by emotion, we might slightly, just a teensy bit, just maybe just a little bit, just outweigh them. Hello? That we just might lead just a little bit more than them on matters of the heart. When God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good of evil, he spoke that to Adam. When he said, you shall bear the Messiah, he spoke that to Eve. When Satan decided to deceive mankind, y'all don't want to help me today. He did not speak to the mind of mankind. He spoke to the heart of me. Y'all don't want to help me today. He spoke to his emotions. He spoke to his emotional side. He spoke to how it feels, how it looks, what it might be, what God don't want for you. Hello, somebody. But every once in a while, your beaver need to stand up and say, but the fact still remains that my God made me and put me in a garden. Shut up, Eve. Be quiet, emotion. You got to take in the truth. And then the truth shall make you, not your feelings, not your emotion, not your sadness, not your grief, not your depression, not your aggravation, not your disappointment. The truth. Come on, Prince. Come on, Adams. Take your rightful stance. 
doesn't mean that we, we should reject emotion. We need the heart and the mind. Because just like male and female body parts, when these two things come together, they will produce a seed. Y'all don't want Anytime your mind and your heart agree about something, there will be fruit in your actions. Anytime you come in agreement in your mind and in your heart, there is definitely going to be action. Now you could fall and let the lie be implanted in your heart and then take that to the mind and tell the mind to eat. The heart of man was spoken to and that thus changed the perception of the truth. Now the tree looks good. Just a minute ago, the tree looked like death. But Satan spoke to your emotions. Because the thing about a heart is it holds for reproduction. The heart is designed to hold something. Mary said, I will keep this word in my heart. And on a particular day, the Holy Spirit came and met her. And the word of God met with the space that was kept in her heart. And the father himself was conceived. When God spoke to Mary, the word that she would give birth to the Messiah was held in her heart. And she kept that there until the day that the Holy Spirit hovered over her, like he did on creation day, over the deep. That's why the Bible says, and deep calls unto deep. Her heart was responsible to hold this truth. And it held it in the heart, not the mind. Hello, somebody. That's why God said, and for you, Satan, her seed will bruise y'all. What you just planted in my baby's heart, I'm getting ready to speak to her in such a way. Y'all don't want to help me. That I'm going to get into the heart of man that they will produce what is necessary to destroy you. That's good. Pastor. That's good. When he spoke to Adam, the truth, don't eat, that's in the mind. And quite often people say, I know this is true, but I don't feel it in my but the Bible declares, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You better get that word out of your mind and start hiding it in your heart. Start saying, but I know you, Lord, made me in your image and placed me in a garden. I know, oh God, that you have plans for me to prosper. You better get that word from your mind and get it into your heart because if you are comfortable with it staying in your mind satan still has an empty womb he gets to produce in 
me go ahead and roll this bitterness over there. Let me go ahead and speak. You need to be disappointed. Let me highlight the fact that you don't like it. What Adam and Eve were afraid of was that they could recognize that they could produce something that was not of God. Now I'm afraid. Y'all don't want to help me today. I didn't even know that I had the ability to produce anything that was apart from you. And now I have knowledge, intimate understanding of both good and evil. Now Adam, Eve could bear both Cain and Abel. I didn't even know I could do such a thing. I didn't know that I could love God and still disobey God. I didn't know that I could love God and still sin against God. I didn't even know that these two things could war on the inside. Romans says, wretched man that I am, who could deliver me? So with my mind, I serve the law of God. I'm taking the word from my heart and I'm forcing it to change my mind. That now what's in my mind and what's in my heart are the same. And I'm no longer double-minded, unstable. Hello, somebody. Now when that wind starts blowing, I'm anchored, baby. Now when the storm starts raging, I'm anchored, sweetheart. Now when the wind is blowing, I cannot be moved. You plant no seed in my heart. I produce no seeds of Satan. I am designed to produce the word of God. I was made to do it. I was made to produce the word of God. Mary shows us that. I'm made to carry God's word into the earth. I carry it in my heart. He speaks it. I carry it in my heart, and that changes everything about my perception. Mary was a bad woman. To be able to hear something like that and not beaver herself out of it. No, no, hear me out here. Do you know how bad you've got to be to be presented with information from the pits of hell? And still say, but thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart. Now, how is that possible? How, I haven't even been with somebody. How, how could I, I don't even know how that's going to work. And then she had to, it wasn't like it just happened right there. She had to wait a period of time before, we don't even know how long she waited until the Holy Spirit fell upon her. But she had to carry this truth and not wash it away. And not discard it, but to keep it in the depths of her being, never forgetting. I am and Eve, their, their reproductive organs are different but the same. But they are necessary. Satan was smart because he knew the nature of the heart is that it holds seeds. <sighs> I 
Y'all don't want to help me today. Every month, a woman has a time, on average, every month or every couple of months, depending, where a seed that is not of use from God is rejected. It's discarded. Y'all don't want to help me today. The curse is that this space, this empty place where God could perform life, is painfully not used. Y'all don't want to. And I have witnessed that every, there's an opportunity for God's word to be used in my life, and it is discarded. Here's an opportunity for me to be encouraged by the word of God, and it is this. Mary said, and, he, and her heart was encouraged. When her and Elizabeth got together, they encouraged water. Come on, somebody. The pain in childbirth is evident in that we see the discarding of opportunities that God could have done his will. But also, hello, somebody. It would also indicate that Satan did not have an opportunity to do his either. Y'all don't want to help me today. Hello, somebody. If by chance this month I discard yet another opportunity, I'm not going to fret as if something is wrong with me. I'm not going to say, oh, there's another lost opportunity. Oh, what is wrong with me? Oh, there's another missed time that I could have had something I didn't have a baby. Oh, I'm going to go, I'm glad I'm not pregnant. Why? Because I ain't married. Because I'm not ready to have babies. And then when you're not ready to have a baby, because you know it's not proper timing in your life, you look at every missed and discarded opportunity and celebrate. Y'all don't want to help me. But when the father says to you, that it's not time for you to produce this thing. You need to be happy that if he's not using it, you see it washed away and neither did Satan. That's good. That's good. That's good, Pastor. That's good. Satan didn't even get a chance to use it either. Yeah. This is for God and for God alone. It's for God and for God alone. Right? It's for God and for God alone. And he didn't want to use it this month? To God be the glory. No, it makes sense. Why? Because I'm not married. I ain't got no money. I don't know where I'm going to live. See, that's, good. that's a good time. It's a good time for God not to use that. Hello? But here you go. Oh, I don't have any kids. And Satan could see that. That you might feel as if God is keeping something from you. And use that part of your heart to start producing his word. Check your stories. See how many times Satan could speak to your heart and get you to manifest his will versus the will of God. He got you to carry some, some bad report. 
to carry some, some, some mean things somebody said to you. To he got you to carry it. And you carried it for so long until opportunity met with that word. And then you ended up acting and producing an action that is completely against the will of God. I can prove it to you because we go on down to Cain. Let's go there for a second. The story of Cain and Abel reveals production. But before we get there, I'm sorry. There's a couple more points I want to get from this. Adam and Eve, when they hid themselves, first they sewed what kind of leaves together? What kind of leaves? They sewed fig leaves together. Emphasis on the leaves, not necessarily the figs today. <laughs> they sewed leaves together and they hid themselves in a cave. They hid themselves amongst the what? The trees. If I'm going to sew leaves together, <laughs> in order for me to hide from God, the leaves were not because of shame. The leaves were a method to hide themselves from God. So we're going to sow fig leaves to make ourselves look like we a tree. And then we're going to hide amongst the trees. Adam. Just play it. Just play it cool. We just trees. Play it cool. We just trees. Ain't nobody gonna worry about it. Look, just sway like this. Come on, Eve. Come on, do it. Adam. Adam. Can you see me? Adam. Hello, Lord. What is this you have? <laughs> well, we came to the knowledge that we were naked. And so we took care of that with some fig leaves. Who told you you were naked? Satan de deceived us and we ate. Because Satan didn't tell you you were naked. Come on now, y'all don't, y'all can Satan never directly told you you were naked. What Satan did was planted a seed that you produced that then gave you his thoughts. That made you see things the way he sees things. Come on, somebody. He never told you were naked, but he planted something on the inside of you that now you look at things the way Satan looks at things. And that is problematic because you are not made to resemble a beast. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't. I can't get nobody in the kingdom to preach with me. Sit so on down. Now, I'm pretty sure. Adam and Eve did not think that God was so stupid that he would mistake them for a tree. With eyeballs and everything. Now I just, I don't think, oh, we fooled him. They knew enough about him to realize that wasn't going to work. What Adam was trying to do in Eve was to rectify 
a problem that they created. Y'all don't want to help me today. Now you could see when God sees this fig leaf situation. He comes at them with truth. No, 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 no. You are no longer trees. I gave you the opportunity to eat from the tree of life because you are what you eat. Y'all don't want to. But instead, you decided to eat from the knowledge, but you have knowledge of good and evil. Now you can, you can witness and see that the parts of you that are needed to do what God has called you to do are open to do anything. Just like your heart can receive seed from Satan, that your heart can produce the word of Satan like it can produce the word of God. And now you recognize I'm vulnerable. God, why would you make me vulnerable? And Satan will convince you, why would you let me be able to do this? Why would you, why would you make me be able to sin like this? Why would you make me be able to, to try my hardest like this? Why would, you, why would you make me this way? And the truth of the matter is, he did not. I didn't make you that way. I made you without clothes because I would clothe you. But I did not make you vulnerable. Y'all don't want to help me today. You made yourself vulnerable. Because you decided to do what Satan said rather than what I say. When Adam and Eve sold the fig leaves together, God said, get rid of that crap. In essence, you can't be a tree, baby. What? No, I'm going to take the skin of this beast. I'm going to cover you with that. This is a gruesome thing. We talk about the sacrifices and the bloodshed, but it never said it was a lamb. It just says some random beast. And it's interesting because the serpent was a beast, but then he becomes like a real serpent that slithers. I wonder where God got the skin from the beast from. Because Satan's no longer a beast. Now he's been cursed to slither. He's a reptile. Hello, somebody. So, where'd this beastly form come from? Hello? On the outside, you're going to be a beast. An animal. Not a tree. I think trees, you know, there's no bloodshed with trees. I know. There's, you know, it's, there's some key differences about trees between trees and animals. The plantai kingdom <laughs> is uniquely different in five major ways than the animal kingdom. I'm going to cover three. One unique difference between animals and plants is how they eat. Plants don't have any inner organs. And thus, there's no need for them to digest their food. 
Instead, plants synthesize it, equally distributing the energy through the body. Make sense? What a plant takes in is completely and equally used in all of its body. Nothing discarded, nothing made waste. They synthesize, okay? In unison, they use all of it for a specific purpose and it is all, and they only take what they need and they use all that they needed. Nothing is discarded, okay? Animals, before the eaten food can be turned into energy, it first has to go through the digestive system. Now, could it be that God intended for you to eat of the tree of life? That you might be more like a tree where in this garden nothing is discarded and nothing is wasted. You ain't got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. You don't have to digest anything because it cannot be used, but everything is equal to what you need it for. Eat of the tree of life, but this other tree, don't eat of that. That's not the good and evil. You, you're not developed in that system yet. You have not been developed to digest Good to not better yet. You have not been de developed to synthesize good and evil. You don't know what to do and how to use pain for the same energy as blessings. You don't know how to use suffering for the same necessity as blessings. So you have not been matured and developed to synthesize the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Something will be wasted. And when there's waste, there's death. Me and the Lord had a great time on yesterday. All week we've been having a good time in the midst of problems. Could it be that God intended for Adam and Eve to be more like trees than beasts? And their attempt to sow fig leaves was to try to bring back to restoration what God had intended them to be. Men as trees walking. Y'all don't want to help me today. Jesus shows up and heals a blind man, takes him out of the city, and he spits on his eyes. So what do you see? He says, I see men as trees walking. It says, God, don't make no mistakes. What he's trying to show you, dear blind man, is that when I heal your sight, you're going to see what I always intended, that you are mankind like trees walking. The tree of life walking. Book of Revelation, two trees. Two witnesses, two trees. Satan tried to make you like a beast. No, you, you can't restore this by sowing on fig leaves. Oh, wretched man that you are. This, this can't be restored from the outside. Since Satan contaminated it from the inside, that I have to go on the inside of man. Y'all don't want to. Second way the plants are different than the animal kingdom. 
is the plant kingdom, most types of plants can grow indefinitely. As their size gradually increases, gradually the longer they live increases. That's why trees can grow for hundreds of years and only get bigger as time goes. God intended that you would be fruitful and multiply. That as time goes by, as you grow bigger, you live longer. The plant king, the animal kingdom is not like that. The animal kingdom, they can only grow in size to a certain extent and then stop. The reason behind this is that numerous animal cell types lose their ability to multiply death. Satan was a cunning beast. He was not the tree of life. So what he could give you could never be life. He's getting you to produce a beastly seed. One that now you take in things and some of it's wasted. Now as you grow, there's a limit to growth and you die. It's programmed in the cell itself that this is your lifespan and when you hit that lifespan, you die. But God said, I wanted you to live forever. Y'all don't want to help me today. He said, block off the tree of life, lest they eat of it and live forever. I intended that as they got bigger, they would live longer. As they grew, they would live longer. They would spread. And there's nothing that would stop them from being fruitful and multiplying. Like I am, there's no height, nor depth. Come on, nor width. Come on, somebody. They'll get fatter. They'll get taller. They'll live longer. Another key way that the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom are different. And this is pivotal. Similar to the food, that they don't have any inner organs as plants, so food is, is synthesized not broken down with waste. Nothing is wasted, all is used. Plants are also autotrophs, while animals are heterotrophs. Hello? This is why the sin of homosexuality is so common to be spoken against in the New Testament. Plants are autotrophs, and animals are heterotrophs. This means that plants are able to produce their own food through photosynthesis, while animals must consume other organisms to obtain their nutri nutrients. That don't, that don't, should, at this point you should be able to preach it to yourself. Hello? Yeah. Animals have to take in nutrients outside of themselves in order to sustain life. A plant is an autotroph 
it can produce its own food. Y'all don't want to hear me. When God says, I will put in you rivers of living water, of life unto life, that inside of you, you have the ability to presume to produce more life after more life after more life. What is this pain that I feel? I don't know, but I'm going to synthesize it and use it to promote more life and more life. What is this disappointment that I feel? Oh, baby, that ain't disappointment. I can still use this, synthesize this, and create more life after more life after more life. He intended that you had a level of autonomy in him. Not autonomy outside of him. It's no wonder that a beast will try to convince you to see things differently than they really are. And if you agree with what this beast says, that you no longer have the, now you think that there's something that you have to discard about what God said. Yeah. Like, I know you forgave me, but, no buts. I know you love me, but, no buts. I know you, I, I know you want what's good for me, but this but is Satan trying to convince you to eat of the knowledge of good and evil yet again that you might produce sin. And now you're forced out to, to find sustenance on your own. Now you're a beast. Well, you had the ability in your garden to take in everything you need to use it full as max. You don't see Adam and Eve pooping nowhere. Like here's where we put all our waste. There was no waste. Now you got waste. You got things that you think cannot be used by God. There are things that you think that God cannot work together for the good. There are things that you think that God cannot work together for. There are things that you think that God can. There are things that you don't trust that God could use. There are things that you don't allow God to synthesize for life that you can't be in my garden. Go ahead, take some deep breaths. You're looking weary. You're looking mighty weary. Nobody told y'all to play with me today. You don't know nothing. You see all this new stuff you're taking in? Yeah, because you don't know nothing. When I tell you this, what you need to be thinking, this is why I tell you that. Because you cannot see this on your own. And you've been saved for so many years. Just, just to tell you to humble down, eat, learn a little grasshopper. You're not there yet. What? Get down from up there. Come here. Right here. Student truly can't be greater than the teacher. But my God, you try. Not overtly, like a knee-jerk reaction, because you really think you see something. Like Adam and Eve saw something in this tree. And you got to warn everybody. Let me warn the pastor. Yeah, me and the father actually saw that. Your high alerts and warnings were great when you had bad leadership. 
I'm not that. Now, your warnings are confirmation to me, not instruction for me. You're not telling me what to do. You're either confirming what I know from God or you are waste. And sometimes you come into the house of God with previous hurts, thinking that you need to guard and protect Right here. Right here. We we here. It's impractical. Okay. Here. Right? I'll submit by choice, not because of your position. It's like to throw this out here because at this moment you are digesting truth that is needed for your soul. An understanding that put into words what you've been living that you didn't even know. Helping it to go from what you've been feeling in your heart to joining with the truth that's in your mind. That we might have fruit. Good fruit. Hello? You could feel something, but you don't understand it. You could understand something, but don't feel it. Ministry is bringing both of those together that we might have fruit. I'm a midwife. Duh. Help this fruit come on out. That's what I do. Crazy as a pregnant woman not to listen to the midwife. Sitting here pregnant with possibilities and things that God said, but you want to do everything the way you think is best. You ain't even had the kid in the first yet. I'm still looking. I don't even see it. Maybe you should listen when I say sit up. Hold your head up. Look up. Think on these things. Meditate on this. Hear me. Listen to me. I can't, I just, I got to push, stop pushing, stop pushing. Because you're so used to doing it the way you feel in here. But this ain't going to work unless you get this to go too. And this feeds off of truth, not lies. This will produce a lie. The heart can produce a lie. The mind cannot sustain life in a lie. I was like, stop, stop. This is your instruction. You keep pushing the way you want to push. It's death to that thing that God wanted to produce. I don't like to see it. But I'm not going to change what I know I need to say and do because you're hard-headed. I'll tell the next one in labor that does the same thing. Stop. Stop, that's enough. But I just can't help myself. You better help yourself. You better think about something else. Breathe. (laughs) Count to 10. Imagine this. I'm going to all kind of stuff to get you to be obedient. God, just so many distractions today. 
Anyway, let's move on. The plants and the animals are two kingdoms of living organisms, but the major difference between these kingdoms is that plants are autotrophs, while animals are heterotrophs. Plants are able to produce their own food through the sun. I think God intended us to be trees, <laughs> not beasts. Surely Satan could see our vulnerability. Hello? Because he was not designed by God to have autonomy within God. God didn't make Satan in his image. Right? God made us. There's an aspect of perpetual life. He created us in that image. That if we are in him, that we are constantly living like a tree, growing, growing, getting bigger and bigger. The beast was not designed that way. He was designed that if you want to grow, number one, there's a limit. So no, Satan, you cannot raise up past your limit. You can't raise up past your limit. You can't say, I want to be like God. No, 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 no. He already made individuals to be like him. You were not that. So no, you cannot get yourself to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. He will knock you down every time. That's good. You already created a, a beings for that. And it was not you. He also created them that they could produce life perpetually in him just constantly living breathing growing multiplying growing you you are dependent on your environment to sustain life christ said it's not by bread alone that man lives but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god i eat bread because i like it not because it's keeping me alive. It's not. What's keeping me alive since I'm created in his image, placed in his garden, sustained all around him, is that his word has put life all the way around me. I could go to the wilderness and have life. I could go to the oceans and have life. I could go to the Red Sea and have life. Oh, the Satan is out there. Oh, don't bother me, baby. I could go right up to the fire and have life. I could go to the lion's den and have life. I could go to the, I could go to the pits of hell. and have, It's not the same. Satan said, oh, you better watch out. There's a whole new world out here. You got to get for yourself. Fend for yourself. Figure it out. I'm sure that's the way he sees it. Because that's how he's created. So here you go. go. Look out for all the enemies. No, I think the enemy to look out for me. You're afraid because that's what you ate, a seed of fear. What I'm watching is not Satan. I'm watching the move of God. That's what I'm watching. Have no fear of any demonic spirits. Satan breathed a threat. People said, Pastor, you afraid? <laughs> Jewel asked me, Pastor, are you afraid of what? She thought, you ain't afraid of nothing, are you? Not really. 
You afraid of man? No. You afraid of death? No. You afraid of sickness? No. Pain? No. Her, I'm not afraid of anything. But displeasing God. I synthesize everything that God brings my way because I know one thing. He placed me in a garden for my good and not to harm me. Not to harm me. But sometimes things don't feel good. That does not mean it's not good. So now feelings, that's how Eve got God. When feelings define your reality, it's how Eve was deceived. Feelings cannot then define your reality. The beaver has to stand up and say, but God said. But the word of God promises. And it tells those feelings, you better discard whatever that crap it is you ate. You better flush that out with your next cycle. Because we're not producing that. We ain't producing that. That's got to go. But you, you're holy, trying to be holy still. You're trying to produce something that ain't nothing but death. I feel it, but, but I know it, but I don't feel it. You want to get that fixed? You need to get that fixed. That can't, that, that's, that's a bad combination. That's, that's what started sin. When we look at Cain and Abel, fast forward to the generations after Adam and Eve. Eve bore two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel offered a sacrifice that was acceptable, and Cain offered one that was not. Let's go there for a second. Oh, wait. I've got my one more difference between plants and animals. The plant kingdom, they don't possess a nervous system. Pastor, are you afraid of it? Baby, I'm a plant. I don't possess a nervous system. Y'all, let me show you. Plants are different than the animal kingdom and that plants don't possess a nervous system and they lack any organs that could be used to sense the surrounding environment. As a result, their responses to various, to various stimulants are passive and not efficient. Animals, however, animal kingdoms, have a nervous system and all the necessary organs. Thus, they can quickly respond to various, various catalysts that speed, the speed of the reaction is dependent on the type of species and can range from lightning fast to extremely slow. The major difference between the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom is the plant kingdom does not have a nervous system. It responds to stimulants, but it is a passive response. The nervous system allows your responses to your environment to be aggressive and not passive. I will preach to myself. Look at God and how he made us. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. Y'all don't want to help me. 
I never designed for you to have a nervous system. I did not design that what you use in terms of your sensing will cause you to be aggressive and to act out of fear. I designed that you, hello somebody, would be at peace in your garden and all you get is stimulants and stimulants just move you passively. Let me show you. Let me show. 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 Let me show you. Cause some of y'all don't understand science. Okay, you don't. You don't understand science. You lost because you don't understand science. Okay, let's look at this. A plant does not look at an oncoming dog and go, "Uh oh, here come the dog. Oh, he about to pee on me." Does he? Plant can't see and sense an oncoming problem and begin to respond. Y'all don't want to help me. A plant can't look down the road and see that this potentially could go wrong. Y'all don't help me. And start responding either quickly or slowly to the potential of something going wrong. A plant cannot do that. A plant is only moves passively by stimulus. That means I don't know what that is. I don't know what it's going to do. It could do something. It could not do something. But nevertheless, I'm going to sit right here. What the plant can only do is when you stimulate me, then I will move according to the stimulant but I am not going to be aggressive and start being anxious be anxious for nothing but in all things come on I'm not anticipating a future problem baby I'm planted like the tree of life I'm not I'm not anticipating something going wrong I'm not worried about how this is going to affect me I'm not thinking about what that's going to do to me I'm passive, not aggressive with fear. When, when the adverse attaches itself to me, I respond. Satan can breathe all the threats of cancer that he wants. Y'all don't want to help me. He could breathe every fear and anxiety of what could go wrong. He could say to you that this too could go wrong and that too could go wrong and maybe this could go wrong and maybe that will go wrong. He could say it all he won't. But since I am a plant, planted by the living waters, I don't move out of fear. You got to stimulate me. You got to actually touch me to get me to respond. So just doing this. You can get as close as you want. You can get so close, I can feel the heat coming. I will not be moved. I'm not moving. But I can make it all. You can't do nothing. You can't touch me, lest the Father. You can't touch me, lest the Father says you can touch me. And since I'm a tree planted in the garden of God, then if he lets you touch me, then you need to know this touching is still for my good. And I will synthesize every pain, and I will synthesize every worry, and I will use it to grow bigger, to grow deeper, to grow taller, unto everlasting life. Standing all over the house. Standing all over the house. It's a good point to stop there. I'll use it. I want to everlasting life. 
For in me, the word of God produces life and not death. 